0: From Chopsticks Alley, I'm Wish Huronkiyo-Peacock. These are our stories. This week, the singer and songwriter August Rigo sat down with Wish, a contributor at Chopsticks Alley Pinoy. To discuss his career in the music industry. Tell me your story as you've never told anyone before in a nutshell, like who is August in a nutshell?
1: There's a bunch of different versions of it, but I mean, I guess I can tell you, I'll just, I can run it from the beginning and kind of throw it as much as I can in there in a short amount of time. Um, from Toronto, I grew up, you know, pretty normal. My, my parents worked like a couple of jobs each. You know to kind of support you know just living normal you know just normal living my dad worked for the city we lived in subsidized housing for most of my life and up until like my 20s I got into music because of karaoke now, that was my vehicle into to to be a musician because they always used to use me as like entertainment right so my grandmother was a bit of a socialite so I During all the Filipino events, you know, like debuts, uh, (laughs) church gatherings, anything, Mahjong night, whatever it was, you know, they got the little kid to sing. And so I learned as a byproduct of doing all that stuff. I learned how to sing. I learned how to speak Tagalog. I I learned, learned, you know, all the skills that I kind of translate into my everyday life now is... I learned from from that time, from a really, really young age. You know, I was, I was the only child. I was used to getting a lot of attention. So I was always, you know, I was always into it. Like, yeah, go sing. <laughs> like, yeah, let's get it. So fast forward, I went to a performing arts high school called Cardinal Carter Academy for the Arts, where I studied opera, sacred music. Corral, and we had a really really great choir there and I had an amazing teacher that just kind of taught me the fundamentals and was really patient with me because i was a bit of a rebel but you know as the years wore on in school, I, I started to really appreciate what she was trying to teach me in terms of like my voice and you know how to control it and how to understand what was going on in my voice. During that time that my um, my passion blossomed for music, I, I formed an RB group with with two other friends of mine. And you know, we were, you know, we were just like rowdy kids and we really, you know, we were we were confident and we loved music. So, you no, know, that's how I got into this scene where we used to sneak into underground RB clubs here. Live band places, and we used to sneak into those clubs and we used to sing. And you know, they're predominantly, you know, black clubs in general. Like there's, there wasn't there wasn't really any Asian kids in there, <laughs> and let seventeen year old kids. But you know, the first time we were able to get into one of these clubs, we just bribed the bouncer to let us in. That subsequently led me to meeting a bunch of musicians, like the most talented musicians in the city. After high school, I ended up going to the school that most of these guys go to, which is Humber. It's a which is a jazz school. So I mm. I did uh, vocal jazz. After that, I took a year off, and then I went to school for sound engineering at at this place called Harris. So a lot of schooling before I even got like, like my feet wet in like in the, in an in industry type of thing, you know. My singing group before I went to college, before I went to the engineering school, we did have like an indie record deal with this independent record company. So we were recording already, and I was kind of you know really familiar with the studio and things like that. So when I got to school, I was pretty I was pretty up on the technology and things like that. and and that's kind of where I learned all my chops, like as an engineer, as a as a producer, just m- learning my way around the recording studio. After school, I mean, I took a year off. I started working. I was just, you know, I I was just trying to make money to help my parents out. I didn't have a rough time, but I wasn't I wasn't very happy. And so I just told my dad, I was like, I want to quit. Like this is really how it went. So I said, I want to quit. I'm really unhappy, and I want to focus on my music. And he was like, you know, like in my my true true dad fashion, my parents have always been really supportive of whatever I want to do, regardless if they if they thought it was the right thing or not, my dad was like, look, if you're not happy and you want to do music, go. I mean, he's like, quit, do your thing. Well, I will figure it out. And so that's what I did. So I quit music and then I started taking trips to New York. And then this is where my grind really started. Um, So I really got discovered by standing outside of record labels and handing out CDs. That's what I did. I used to drive to New York, stand outside of 1755 Broadway, which was the universal building. And I handed out CDs. That's what I did. And I did that a hundred times. So, maybe from 2004 to 2009, that's when I was doing that. In between, like I had, there was many opportunities that kind of came from that situation. Like, I met, I met a producer who heard my CD. He was like, "You got to come move to Atlanta with me." And uh, um, do your album. So I moved to Atlanta for a little bit working with him. And that kind of that situation didn't really pan out there. These are all long drawn out stories. I'm kind of putting it into like a little ball, but I did go broke in Atlanta. I, I, I just ended up having to go back home, got another job. Uh, and my mind you at the time I Like, you know, whenever I got back to Toronto, I was holding down like two, three jobs all the time. Like I was working at Sunglass Hut. I was working at The Gap. I was working at American Eagle. I was working at this place called Bay Blue Radio. I'm not very disciplined, but I do have like one rule and one real rule when it came to like making it in the music industry or making it in your, in whatever passion, you always have to have two jobs, one job to pay your bills Mm -hmm. and one your dues and until the job that you're doing to pay your dues pays your bills you have to have those two jobs and then you know you, owe, you you need you need the finances to kind of fuel your dream you know or else, or else it's hard to move but anyways i end up getting this job in australia like recording and producing i move out there for two years kick it in australia for a while and then, yeah, just, you know, it kind of took its toll on me there. So, I, I moved back and I started back in the hustle in New York. And that's kind of where I got my, like, you know, New York is really where things started to happen for me. You know, I met my first manager there. I moved I moved to Jersey. And then, you know, I hustled. I just, like, I really hustled. Like, I spent a year working under the, a year and a half working under the Trackmasters. Um, I made, like, a song a day, you know, including... Um, like a song a day, including doing my regular job of like being an engineer and a, and a vocal producer and the, the garbage guy and, you know, the floor cleaner and, uh, you know, the everything guy. And I hustle, I just really hustled until, you know, until I got noticed, you know, until, until I was an undeniable thing that, oh, this kid really has some, some you know, some talent and ability. And then, you know, I, re- I got my chance to shine. So that's kind of the short the short story of it
0: wow
1: yeah there's lots of like i said there's lots of little (laughs) like how i got from step one to step two to step three but Mm -hmm. that's that was the trajectory and then you know um through those through that situation you know my first placements were with like ayaz and justin bieber and and one direction and then and then so on so on i got a record deal with la reed over at def jam um yeah. And then kind of things were just steamrolling and things, you know, and ever since then, just like things have been up and things have been down, things have been up and things have been down. You, know, you, you keep, you keep pushing you keep pushing and you you keep writing music. And, you know, the key thing I find is to just, just, you know, to focus on writing great songs. If you're writing great mm-hmm. songs, and, you know, that this, this doesn't work for everybody, but it works once you're in there and once you have like the specific context and the network, if you're holding great songs, um, People always want great songs, whether they take, you know, two weeks or two years for for those songs to like kind of come to fruition and come to life and kind of find their place. Um, having great songs in the chamber is always like, it's always been key for me anyways.
0: Well, I think so too. I mean, the songs that you've produced are just amazing. I mean, discovering you through our <laughs> friend Peter, my gosh, <laughs> there was a, a great, um, a great opening pretty much um, before I met you so wow um yeah it's 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 just great to to have that in a nutshell that's highly inspirational and um so yeah next question is how does your heritage as a Filipino Canadian defines your decision making and how you represent yourself as a music artist
1: um (sighs) It's weird,
0: yeah.
1: It does, and it's it's like um, it's more of a you know, it's not an active thought in my brain. You know, Mm. I've never been one to be like being Filipino is my cause. Like, you know, I'm I'm full heartedly Filipino. Like the way I was raised, my you know, my parents are you know, they're they're not they haven't really uh, changed over into like a westernized attitude. They're still very Filipino. You know, they're very superstitious. We still cook <laughs> Filipino food every day. Um, but what, what has translated into my work has been, you know, that work ethic. You know, that, um, you know, it's it's like a nonstop grind. There's always a, you know, but it's a nonstop grind. And, you know, my, my dad always was, you know, whatever it took to, to keep, to, to keep the family happy, you know, and I, I think I've, now that I have my own family, I feel like I've taken over that same attitude, you know, like whatever it takes to, you know, to, to be, to be, you know, to provide for my family is what I'm gonna do. So, you know, that, that definitely has bled over to me. Um, you know, there's a certain amount of, there's a certain amount of emphasis put on respect, you know, in, in, the, in, in the Filipino culture in general, respect for your elders. Um, especially and I think that's also something that I I carry very dearly to my heart like you know when I meet when I meet people that I've looked up to um, when I meet people who I've idolized it's funny it kind of works slightly against me because when I you know I kind of I when I meet people I idolize or people that I've looked up to of all for all these years you know that are older than me whether I you know whether whatever position I am in, whether whether I know better or I think I know better or I feel like I have, you know, I have a better idea or something. I, I tend to, I tend to err on the side of I'm just not going to say anything out of respect, you know, because you know I, I'm normally very, you know, I'm normally an extrovert and very, you know, outspoken. But during those times, I feel, you know, I'm. And I think that's a very Filipino thing too, you know, to be, you know, to just respect your elders and just, you know, do your thing. Like I, I very rarely talk back to my mom, even at, you know, even at the age I am now. And, and, and it's the same thing. When I do talk back to my mom, I get it still, you know. <laughs> I think that Is it
0: the Chinelas thing.
1: That, that definitely, that definitely has stayed with me for sure. And I think the, mm, I have this, you know, philosophy that I'm I'm sure is shared by many, many Filipinos that are in my generation is that, you know, I'm extremely, extremely grateful to be able to be doing this as a living and to have that choice to do this, you know, um, in my family and, you know, the majority of Filipino families in in Canada and, you know, the Philippines has a little more of... um, there's probably, um, the, sorry, the US probably has a deeper um, population in terms of the Filipinos um, immigration, immigration wise, mm-hmm. but for us, for us and most of my friends that are Filipino, this is the first generation that, you know, that has been, that has kind of got a foothold on, you know, life here in general, you know, so I'm the first generation of like, that's, that's been able to dream, you know, my dad didn't come, my dad came here, and his only concern was, you know, I got to find a job and I got to make money for my family so that they can eat and have a roof over their head. You know, I've always had a roof over my head. You know, I never, you know, I never had to worry about where my next meal was coming from. You know, those are, those, you know, that's, and that's all due to the work, you know, and the sacrifice my parents had to, to make in order for me to live a life like this. I can never dream about being a songwriter. And to be honest for them to, they don't, still quite don't understand the concept of me being a singer songwriter and making a living, you know, or artist and making a living. It's so foreign to them, and um, you know, I'm I'm doing what I'm doing, and they see it, but still, the idea, is still, you know, my dad's still like, what? So what do you do? Like you sit in the <laughs> studio, and you've got all this gear, and you, like, oh, yeah, I just I write songs and I give them to people, and he's like, and they take them, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I get. It. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, you must be like, I remember the first time he was like, oh, you, you must be good at what you do. And I was like, oh, I'm all right, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, but again, like, I'm extremely grateful to be able to be doing this because, yeah, like, this is the first generation that's been able to dream. Mm. You know, that's able to really, I mean, th- at this level, you know, there was the dream. The dream was to provide for my family and, you know, so maybe in that sense my parents are living a dream and then you know because the because of that I'm able to live my dream so you know it's like and I I I use it as like a microcosm for um being Filipino in the music industry you know like you know if you're black white or Latino you have a you know you have generations of people that have been in the music industry you know Generation and generations of people who have been who have been who have seen those types of faces, you know, the skin color like and for us like this is the first I mean, this is like the first in this first time in a century really that you've seen um, Asians in the mainstream, mm. like, not not just like, you know, in the background or like, you know, like pinpoint shots here and there, like, you know, at the forefront of the mainstream, you know, with the BTS um you know, Bruno, her, you know, even though that's half, I mean, it's still like, there's much more of a representation of, um, of our heritage, or at least Asian heritage up in there up in the mainstream now than there ever, ever was. So, you know, it's, it's early, it's still early for us, but we're doing pretty good. You know, it's, we're doing pretty good the people that are representing us are you know at the top of their game so that's something to be proud of i guess as well
0: yeah i think so too we're just at the cusp of it which is fantastic yeah so having said that if we're at the cusp of it what are your near future plans for your craft
1: um so i'm continuing you know i'm continuing my same my daily grind you know i'm writing i'm producing i'm You know, I have my own label and um, I guess I guess we want to call a stable of writers and producers that I'm mentoring and help, you know, helping to bring the next generation of writers and producers into the game as well. You know, with and also, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a symbiotic relationship where, you know, I have you know, I have a certain amount of knowledge that i've acquired over the years but this is a young man's game or a young woman's game or whatever you want to call it's a young person's game so in order to kind of stay tapped into what's happening you need that youth around you to to kind of show you you know and you need and that and it's like it's hard to the ego is such a such a crazy thing you know you can get in the way of progress um so easily so um what I really love is having these young guys kind of showing me the ropes and being like, yo, this is what we do. This is what's new or this is what's hot or asking questions. And then, you know, and then me imparting whatever knowledge I've learned over the years, you know, to them to, you know, so that we can, you know, it's, it allows us to move into the, into the next phase of things and be innovative and really creative with the music. Um, I've also recently been doing a lot of work in the Philippines and. Um, I don't want to say reaching back, but I, I've just made a made a point of, you know, trying to do more records for the domestic artists out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because I want to be a part of what's happening in the Philippines. You know, I want, I want the, you know, my legacy to include that. Oh yeah, I did. Re- I'm doing records in the Philippines. And I, and I want to be, you know, I want to, I want to figure out what's happening over there and what's cool over there. And then, you know, bring my sort of vibe to, to what's happening over there, you know, so I can, so I can infiltrate the sonic as well. So, cause I want, I want, you know, I want the music that I create to be a big, you know, to, uh, that I create with them to be a huge part of the legacy that I have. It's mm-hmm. um, really important for me to be doing records in the Philippines. You know, I was doing records in Korea, Japan and China and I, and you know, and it dawned on me, I'm out there. I'm like, yeah, I haven't done anything in the Philippines. Like, mm-hmm. you know, why not? I should be, you know, yeah. I should, so I've definitely been doing a lot of records in the Philippines. And, you know, I, I have, you know, I have my own artist career as well. And for me, like, it's it's just, it, it, it just allows me to be the voice behind some of the songs that I love, you know, that was, that's, that's what kind of, that's what really got me into music is to being an artist. And, you know, I only wrote songs because I wanted to sing them. I had no intention of, you know, having somebody else sing songs that I wrote. It just kind of as a byproduct of um, the trajectory of my career. It, it allowed me an entry point into the industry. So, yeah, like, you know, I'm always going to be creating music for myself, whether you know, whether it's on a large scale or a small scale. You know.
0: Hell yeah, you should. <laughs> I love your songs. Um, yeah. So um, having uh, being men- mentoring others, the future generation of um, singer songwriters. What are these one thing you like? One main thing you wish you knew from the beginning when you started your career?
1: Oh, there's so many. There's so many.
0: One that really pops like a pimple, like one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's keep it. Let's keep it on a creative tip. On a creative tip, I think is um, I think self-awareness is the biggest is my biggest um, it's my biggest fault and my biggest asset. you know there's a there's something to be said about like the blind ignorance of when you're young because it it also um, is attributed to like blind confidence and that confidence allows you, you know allows that energy to exude that natural like energy to and confidence to exude and that is convincing to people that is attractive to people that attracts people right and if i could blend that self awareness with that with that blind confidence i feel like i'd be superhuman but it, but with self awareness comes caution and and jadedness and fear you know of knowing your limitations and um you know but when i say self awareness i think the best part about it is knowing what you're not good at and being able to, you know, work on those weaknesses and then knowing what your strengths are and being able to exploit those strengths. You know, I, so like, yeah, it's a double-edged sword, but I think, you know, being self-aware of it and then on a creative basis, then it allows you to kind of, when you're making something to, to real like, instead of, instead of just pushing, like, oh, just being like, yeah, I'm so good at this knowing that, you know, that's, that's not that good. man you know that's not that good and it, i think, i think intention when you you know there's there is luck you know there's always luck in, in in everything but luck favors the prepared um so i feel like brilliance and greatness you know at the very at the foundation of brilliance and greatness there's always a little at least a little bit of intention there right and so with that intention comes that self-awareness i guess that's my little spiel there that's my little that's
0: awesome.
1: philosophy on things I guess
0: that's fantastic but I really do get to now you you took me back to my 20s and how that self-awareness and confidence kind of can make or break you sometimes yeah
1: because I listened to some of the songs that I did back then you know some of them were great and some of them are like eh, that. <laughs> but my energy back then like my energy was undeniable you know like you (laughs) can tell like I know I can look back and see myself and I'm like yo I was dressing crazy I had you know I was I was just all over the place but my confidence and my just my whole or the whole aura about me like you know I know it was undeniable people were like you know my kid might be a little crazy but He's so confident that we just have to <laughs> trust him. And then you know now I'm like I'm I'm actually on the on the other side of the coin where I'm a little extra cautious. And you know I, I'm maybe I did, I underplay my songs or I underplay my ability a little too much. I think I I think I have that sort of disease happening where you know I've, I've just been I've done so much and like I've worked so much on and written so many songs that I've become extra critical with myself. And then that that kind of insecurity is also an energy that you project Mm. people can feel as well so you know it's it's a hard balance you know but when I the the, the good thing is that when I have something that I think is great I feel like I am you know I'm a hundred percent for sure you know like there's no there's no guesswork in it anymore so the
0: the magic and concoction pretty much like it doesn't come like all the time but the magic is there
1: yeah, I, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't come all the time. It takes it takes a few songs sometimes, you know. <laughs> and sometimes you catch a roll and everything is going good. And I find also that listening to music is very emotional, you know. Mm. Writing music is very emotional. So you may write something brilliant and you're just not in the mood for it. Like, you may be on because I've uh, you know, I've I've gone back to I always go back to old records and I've gone back like 2 3 years to sessions and been like, "Oh, this is amazing." <laughs> well, I just wasn't feeling it that day, and then I've gone back, you know a couple of weeks, and been like, "Oh my God, this is horrible." What was I thinking? You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe in two years again, I'll look back and be like, "Oh, this is great." Yeah,
0: so, so, is important. it is it why your the your collaboration with Tim with it's not fair took two years? Is that why two two years?
1: <laughs> no, it actually took. Well, I I did the song, and initially I did the song as an experiment. So, if you go to my live, mm-hmm. if you go back maybe like middle of the pandemic like mid to now nah, maybe it's like may 2020 or something like that maybe somewhere in there may april could be the summer I, I can't A year remember.
0: ago pretty much yeah
1: but like the whole process of me making the song from you know from playing the piano all the way you know through to the beat making um to the beat making to the actual writing of the song that's all on on my on my instagram so you can see how that came yeah. about so when i had the song for like maybe i don't know a few months and then you know i was talking to um i was talking to my friend um my friend slash business partner benji and you know i was like yo i we should do a record I, i'd really like to get tim on the record and i know t- i knew tim was you know Tim has always been a rapper, but, you know, he's been slowly getting back into music. So I've been friends with Tim for like a couple of years now. I think that's where the two-year thing has yeah. gone. because we've known each other very long, but, you know, we just vibe together, you know. I just, you know, yeah. I like I like hanging out with him. He's, he's hilarious and, you know, he's just, you know, a very gracious, gracious guy. So, um, yeah, I just asked him to be on it and, you know, he killed it. And, yeah, so that's how that collaboration happened.
0: Right. You guys killed it, definitely.
1: Yeah, I really uh, like. It.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, what else? Uh, oh, what do you wish? I mean, you've you've done a lot of these interviews already, but what do you wish anyone would ask you in this kind of interviews?
1: Oh man, <laughs> you know what? I never really think about the there. You know, the, you get you, you get the same. Uh, let's see. What do I wish somebody? Yeah, would because
0: I—I I mean, uh, my first impression of you came out from um, from Peter. Like, oh, he dresses this funky, like awesome look. He's got this distinct look. He's Filipino too, and you know, he he drummed you up to me, and then he's um, he's he made me listen to most of your um, tracks that uh, for other artists like potentials and things like that. So I was just like, this is the right question for you. It's like, as I'm, part of you being unique, what What do you wish that someone would ask you in an interview about you?
1: I don't know if it was like, I wish, but I do. I just kind of wish it would be, there's a lot of facets to me. I feel like I, I don't get to show everybody. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively secretive in terms of even my creative process. I did, I have started opening up to like doing lives and like Twitch streams of my music, but I'm also like, you know, I love art. Like I love being creative. So um, I do a lot of other things in terms of, on the creative side of things. Like I do, you know, I sew, I'm, yeah. like I, love, I make clothes. Um, I take pictures, you know, I've always loved taking pictures. I shoot music videos. Um, I just, you know, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to kind of put into, I always focus on the music, because that's what I'm known for. And that's what I do. But I, internally, I think of myself more as a just a, just kind of like an all around creative, you know, like, I'm, I'm a student of art, as opposed to the art, you know, so I, yeah, maybe I wish that I wish there I wish it was more about just how I'm creative, you know, like what yeah. things I do create creatively. Because I sit here for hours, you know, if, you know I don't sit here for hours anymore because I have a, I have a daughter, <laughs> so it's actually hard to sit for like sixteen hours without you know without stopping. But normal on you know on normal sessions, I'm usually in here and. I love like I love sit I love taking a break and like, sewing you know sewing something mm-hmm. like or starting up a pair of pants or you know a pair of shorts or a t-shirt or, or even like I went through a phase where I just um, I just altered all my clothes you know I tapered every pair of pants I had it's I, pretty
0: know. cool I mean you're my hero in sewing I'm not at that level yet
1: I just li- literally everything's YouTube man I just go on YouTube <laughs> I started I started with masks like I was doing masks <laughs> rolls into a whole bunch of things. I'm also a bit of like a tech nerd. Like I'll take apart my pieces of gear and alter them. Like you know, replace the tubes in my microphone or play. You know, solder. You know, make make a synthesizer out of like a knob or something like that. Like I'll do all types of things like that. And I'm, I'm I really like doing things in my hands and building things. Mm-hmm. So, given the time, I will. You know, I'll build a house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Have, if i if i had the time
0: it's it's actually great to know thank you so much for that you, you know like as a full creator it's yeah. not just in music there is so much more that you're exploring about um I feel like
1: most people that are creatives are if they're not doing that you know physically in, internally or mentally they're into it you know like they're at least into the creative side of things you know whether they're doing it physically or not if they have the time to that's you know here and over there but i think most people that are in this field or are, are are relatively creative mm. or interested in in you know creative things i just i just like the the concept of having nothing and then turning it into something beautiful you know or having something tangible it's like when it's like when you start a song you know like you start with this blank screen mm-hmm. at the end of it you know you have all these regions and things and you press play and it's like oh it's yeah. just well it's just there now and like where did it come out of it like, oh. it's like almost like it came out of thin air you know yeah you did the work and you sang it and wrote it and played it but you know it just kind of appears you know it just starts to go and if you just if there's a time-lapse of that, like if you always had a camera and you just time-lapse that, it would be pretty interesting to see like the screen just and then all of a sudden you're looking at it it's like, whoa, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. A time-lapse of somebody like build a, like I saw a guy take a log and he made a bear. What? It was <laughs> a big tree and then he wow. carved, carved a bear out of it. On, like, like, oh, this is a bear now. It's a full <laughs>
0: wow
1: i I don't know if that answers the question but that's my it
0: it it does so i i i like um asking this to just particular people because it get you you get to know them further like beyond the craft that you're talking about you know so thank you for that and my last question is like any message you want to impart as an inspiration for global Filipino dreamers out there?
1: Oh, man, global Filipino dreamers. I don't know if this is like a message for them, um, but you know, as a creative that's trying to make his mark, and just because you know, who is Filipino? You know, we this is going to sound bad in the beginning. It's going to get better at the end, but you know, there's this, there's a dream of like, you know, becoming, you know, getting to like, for me anyways, there's a dream of like making your mark and, you know, there's a part of it now that's like seeing Filipinos on the main stage and, you know, racial acceptability. And, you know, that's the thing I never had, um, I never thought that my race was going to have an effect on the trajectory of my career. You know, I just didn't think that. I just didn't have that thought in my head. When I got into the music industry, it was like the first point of concern. It was like, oh, you're Asian, you can't do that. Or oh, you shouldn't be, you should do this. Or because of the way I looked versus the way I sound my ability, it was always like, we got to find some sort of a box for you. But whatever, right? Point of it is, is that it's happening, you know, the, the lines are being blurred, the, um, you know, the, the scales are being tipped. And, you know, it may not happen, you may not see it the way you want to see it in this lifetime, you just may not, you may or you may not. But, you know, if you're working towards it, and if you're, and if you're doing your best, you know you're going to be a part of that growth you know you will have uh, like you know you're going to be a part of that that'll be a part of your legacy you'll you know you're contributing to that you know so we may we may never see it in our lifetime but in order for it to get to the point where we all can you know we're all dreaming of or we're all seeing this has to happen like what we're doing right now and each little step counts right so yeah keep doing it because if you don't, if if we if you don't, then we'll never get to that point. So we have to, you know, whether we, you know, again, whether we see it in our lifetime or not, we have to be a part of the. We, if you're not part of the the, the solution, you're part of the problem. Oh, yes, but you have to keep doing it because every little piece counts. Every creator, every piece of creative content you put out there every artwork every song you write everything you put out every tangible piece you put out into that universe is is another stepping stone for another creative to look back on and to you know be inspired by so yeah that's
0: great that's great that's so true wow it's great
1: you think you know when you think back like when i think back of being like being a kid in toronto and there's, you know, there's these groups and there was these groups in, you know, in L.A. or I don't know if it's L.A., but in California, you know, there was always a lot of Filipinos in California. Yep. Um, there There is these groups like Kai and there was guys like, you know, Jeremy Passion, who, you know, with the early, you know, the, they were early on, like, putting out music and, you know, releasing songs and being, you know, kind of having a following and having success in the music industry. And, you know, they're, they, you know, they may have, I don't know if they're forgotten. I I haven't forgotten them because that, you know, there was, it was a part of my upbringing that allowed me to think, oh, shoot, that level is possible. You know, that level is possible. And then every time that level is possible, there's a next level that's possible. (laughs) Yes. Every time you, there's no, it doesn't plateau, you know, because once you get there, you see you see that once you get to that, you know, that point of the mountain, you get to that top, mm-hmm. you see a higher point. And, oh, <laughs> so you have to keep pushing. You have to keep pushing. It doesn't end. It only ends when you stop.
0: Or when you're dead. Actually, when not you- even. There's to too much stuff. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So just keep creating. Keep it going. And, you know, the, like, don't worry about the how. Just, just the, Just do. You know, it's hard, it's hard to think about things like that, but, you know, keep that energy positive, believe in what, believe that you, you know, what you're doing is, is good and, you know, strive for greatness and strive for greatness. Keep a bar of, keep a bar of great, brilliant or shit. And anything
0: <laughs> anything
1: that falls below great, just Leave keep it. Going. Leave it. <laughs> keep, keep moving. That. Bar now sometimes you know you just doing you know you're doing things but i try to keep a bar of like great or brilliant and again that's all subjective that's subjective to me but you know i feel like i'm confident enough to know that i know when i have something great mm. when i have something brilliant i know for sure because i feel that <laughs> because i feel like i've hit that point before with it through the few songs like oh that's the feeling again and you know, every time you get a better brilliant, then that feeling is there again, you know, you feel once you once you get it, you're like, oh, that there it is. Like somebody like I got a question the other day about like, how do you know something is great? And it's kind of like, you know, you hit you hit your like you hit your potential mm. <laughs> I don't, like, you get it. You, you knock, it. You're like there and you're like, oh, that's what it feels like to really hit your potential. And it's a hard line to maintain. You know, it's a hard line, you know, that's a tight, it's a tight rope. It's yeah. so, bam, you're there and then it's so easy to fall off. And then it's, you know, then it's the climb to get back and then to, to keep pushing it further. But yeah, once you feel it, man, it's a high, you can't, you can't, you can't, you, you can't not be addicted to that. Now, once you, once you touch it, it's like, oh, it's like a drug. <laughs> it is a
0: good drug though. <laughs> yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much. You have given me so much to write about. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for your time. And um, keep, keep making very good songs and clothes and everything that you do. Ruby is so cute. <laughs> your wife is fantastic too. <laughs>
1: They're definitely the better half of me, for sure.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I hope to um, party with you guys in LA at some point no, when everything is
1: safe. I haven't left here since um, March of 2020. So I've been here for a year. This is the longest I've been home in so long.
0: Right? It's it's crazy. But I'm sure we can all reconvene in LA at some point. Yep. <laughs> and yeah thank you so much again i'll let you know when this is published but thank you you're you're awesome
1: it was good to see you again and hang, <laughs> digitally hang out anyways
0: i know okay take care august bye
1: that's our story
0: until next week i'm zach anderson For more content like this, visit our website at ChopsticksAlley.com. You can also check out our nonprofit website, ChopsticksAlley.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ChopsticksAlley and ChopsticksAlleyArt. Have a topic you'd like for us to discuss? Send us an email at ChopsticksAlley at gmail.com.